Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the Enthusiast Gaming Holdings, Inc. Fiscal Second Quarter 2021 Financial Results Conference Call. All participants will be in a listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key, followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Please also note today's event is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference call over to Eric Bernoski, Chief Corporate Officer. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Enthusiast Gaming's second quarter 2021 earnings call. My name is Eric Bernoski, the Chief Corporate Officer of Enthusiast Gaming. I'm joined by our Chief Executive Officer, Adrian Montgomery, our Chief Financial Officer, Alex McDonald, and our Chief Operating Officer, Thamba Tharmalingam. We'll begin with commentary on the quarter before opening the floor to questions. Before we begin, I'd like to remind everyone that today's presentation contains forward-looking information that involves known and unknown risks and uncertainties and other factors that could cause actual events to differ materially from current expectations. These statements should not be read as assurances of future performance or results. Such statements involve known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other factors that may cause actual results, performance, or achievements to be materially different from those implied by such statements. A more complete discussion of the risks and uncertainties facing the company appear in the company's management discussion and analysis for the three-month period ending June 30th, 2021, which are available under the company's profile on CDAR and EDGAR, as well as on the company's website. We are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements, which speak only as of the date of this presentation. The company disclaims any intention or obligation except to the extent required by law to update and revise any forward-looking statements as a result of new information, future events, or for any other reason. <clears throat> now I will turn the call over to Adrian Montgomery, Chief Executive Officer. Adrian. Thank you, Eric. Good afternoon and welcome to our second quarter 2021 financial earnings call. It is my pleasure to once again report on the financial and operational accomplishments our team made last quarter and speak about what we believe will be an exciting second half of the year. I'm extremely pleased with our results this quarter and the significant growth we have achieved across all of our financial and operating metrics and I would like to thank each and every one of the hardworking enthusiast employees for all of their efforts to put us in the position that we are in today. Despite the headwinds posed by unfavorable exchange rates, we managed to exceed expectations across the board on revenue, gross profit, and gross margin. I'm pleased to report that Q2 revenue grew by more than 427% to $37.1 million from $7 million in Q2 last year, and gross profit grew to $8 million from $3.2 million a year ago, while gross margin improved to 21.6%, which is a nearly 200 basis point increase from just one quarter ago. Revenue growth continues to be driven by our focused buy and build strategy. Key organic growth drivers, including direct advertising and sponsorship sales, 
grew to $4.4 million in the quarter from approximately 500000 in Q2 last year and double from $2.2 million just a quarter ago. Some of the partners we worked with in this past quarter include major blue chip brands such as State Farm, Bell, Bethesda, Disney Plus, Mars, PlayStation, GlaxoSmithKline, Microsoft, Red Bull, HBO Max, Twitch, Hasbro, Noom, G Fuel, Riot, Exit Lag, Excedrin, Fireball, eBay, Bet365, Sony Pictures, Toyota, and General Motors. The number of paid subscribers at June 30th was 155,000 compared to 111,000 a year ago, an increase of 40%. Most notably, however, is the acceleration of growth we are seeing in paid subscriptions. This quarter, we added 18,000 net new subscribers, the highest quarterly growth in four quarters. This is a direct result of the investment we made in Q4 last year to establish a team dedicated to growing subscriptions. The upward momentum in net new subscribers this quarter is proof that that strategy is working. We remain confident that subscriptions will continue to show meaningful growth in the back half of the year. As we've mentioned previously, we believe subscriptions to be one of our most exciting growth opportunities. That's why we announced our plans to build a pan-enthusiast social network with a premium subscription opportunity for our target Gen Z and millennial audience, codenamed Project GG. We are making strong progress on this front, and I'm pleased to announce today that we expect to release an exclusive alpha version with select gamers toward the end of September. As we've said before, direct sales and subscriptions are two of our highest margin revenue streams, and you can see how the growth this quarter has contributed to gross margin improvement by nearly 200 basis points or nearly two full percentage points. We like the direction both of these businesses are moving in and the upward trajectory they are on as we move through the second half of 2021, which is our busiest time of the year. You've heard me talk about our proprietary flywheel in the past, and I'd like to take a moment to reiterate why we believe this is the right strategy. Every month, millions of video game and esports fans come to one or more of our 100 plus web properties, our 1,000 plus YouTube channels, watch our talented Luminosity Gaming streamers on Twitch, and I would point out we are the number one most watched esports organization in the world this year on that platform or tune into one of our proprietary shows like Gamer's Greatest Talent or Rising Stars. The first season of Gamer's Greatest Talent aired in Q2, and it was sponsored by TikTok and Elf Cosmetics. Live streamed on Twitch over six episodes, GGT had a total audience reach of north of 10 million viewers. Discussions are now in full swing on another follow-up season. Another unique content experience we are particularly proud of is our partnership with Grammy Award-winning international music superstars Coldplay. For the event in May, we collaborated with DJ Zoo and Luminosity Gamer Star Fresh to launch an exclusive remix of Coldplay's, 
Coldplay's new hit single, Higher Power, which was live-streamed on Luminosity Gaming's Twitch channel. The collaboration of music and gaming is proving to be a powerful combination for fans and sponsors, and we look forward to more events like this in the future. This is our fan flywheel, which delivers great content and experiences throughout the gamer's fan journey. And we will continue to add meaningfully to this fan flywheel, both through organic and acquisitive means. At the same time, companies across North America are trying to build out and deploy strategies to reach Gen Z and millennials at scale. And we have been out there talking about it in recent months. You can read and see it in places like Bloomberg, the MIT Sloan Management Review, USA Today, Digiday, Washington Post, and others. We are winning in the marketplace because we offer more touch points to Gen Z and millennials than anyone else out there. We're selling integrated packages that include media, sponsorship, unique content, talent activations, and esports. This breadth of offering is proving to be a winning strategy as is evidenced by the doubling of our direct sales business this quarter to 4.4 million from 2.2 million in Q1 of this year. On a currency adjusted basis, our Q2 performance in direct sales is similar to the direct sales for all of enthusiasts in 2020. In Q2, we partnered with the US Ad Council and the COVID Collaborative on their COVID-19 vaccine education initiative, promoting COVID-19 vaccine awareness and education among young adults. It was the largest and most significant public health communications campaign in US history. And we were very proud to be the Ad Council's gaming partner. Hollywood Studios and Filmed Entertainment remain an exciting growing category for us. This quarter, we completed activations for Universal Pictures to promote the North American release of F9, the latest in the Fast and Furious franchise. We worked with Walt Disney Studios to promote Black Widow, and we partnered with United Artists to promote the Guy Ritchie film, Wrath of Man. Those studios leveraged our innovative platform of video game and esports fan communities, customized content, and integration with top gaming influencers. For F9 specifically, the activation included custom content activations with Luminosity Gaming talent and across enthusiast gaming media brands, five exclusive Grand Theft Auto events throughout the launch weekend with Luminosity Gaming talent competing against fans using Fast and Furious-inspired mods, and media placement across Arcade Cloud and Upcomer, fans versus Luminosity All-Stars gameplay, even during the finals of Gamer's Greatest Talent. We remain confident that Hollywood and filmed entertainment will continue to be an exciting, growing category for us as we move through the rest of 2021 and the pipeline of opportunities continues to grow. Subsequent to the quarter, we announced a renewed and expanded Luminosity Gaming sponsorship deal with G Fuel, as well as an integrated media and esports partnership with the United States Navy that will include the creation of multiple unique gaming activations, incorporating our company's roster of gamers, creators, and athletes to increase awareness of the wide range of professional opportunities the Navy offers. We are also currently in market 
with innovative campaigns for State Farm and DoorDash, to name just a few. Another activation I am particularly proud of is the innovative work we are doing with LEGO. In partnership with LEGO Technic, we have launched the Luminosity Academy to push the boundaries of creativity and guide the development of young gamers. As you can see, we have worked with top brands on their biggest campaigns this quarter. We've executed on many new programs and provided innovative ways for brands to reach the elusive Gen Z audience, and it's working. So anticipating that, we'll continue to build on this exemplary quarter. We are adding more staff. We now have more people in key centers, including New York, London, and Los Angeles. We've added people in Detroit, and we are looking at adding members to our direct sales team in Chicago. Our monetization flywheel, which consists of a diversified revenue stream, continues to gain significant traction each and every month. I've already highlighted the performance of direct-to-brand sales and paid subscriptions, but we're also seeing gains within our content licensing and distribution segment, particularly on platforms like Snap, where we are distributing more content that leverages our expertise and reach for the type of content gamers want. In May, we launched a new YouTube channel called Arcade Blocks, focused on Roblox-related content. That channel has already garnered almost 100,000 subscribers and nearly 1 million watch hours. We're also pushing deeper into storytelling with original content for a gaming audience. Our new brand, Upcomer, which also launched in Q2, expanded into Snap with two different properties, Livestream Fails and Rage Quit. These are properties we've created from scratch that are already contributing through new subscribers and content. This quarter, we completed our NASDAQ listing and subsequently raised gross proceeds of just over $60 million. This raise significantly improved our balance sheet and has allowed us to accelerate our business plans with a particular focus on mergers and acquisitions. On the M&A front, we successfully closed the IC Veins and Tabstats acquisitions in the quarter and they, and they are integrating well into our fan and monetization flywheels. We are well-funded to continue to execute on additional acquisitions that will expand our audience reach, provide a deeper and more authentic fan experience, unlock new revenue streams within our flywheel, and be accretive to margin. We anticipate being able to execute on additional exciting transactions this quarter. We're just getting started and believe very much in our buy and build growth strategy centered around our proprietary monetization flywheel. As you can see, we have accomplished a lot in the first half of 2021, and we are confident in our team's ability to continue to grow and to continue to execute in the back half of the year. I will now turn the call over to our CFO, Alex McDonald, for further commentary on our financial results. Thank you, Adrian. You know, we find ourselves here once again in a fortunate position to be able to comment on an exemplary quarter, our second quarter, 2021. I have a few notes to mention before I begin my commentary. I note that our results are presented in Canadian dollars. I note that our business is affected by seasonal trends in digital advertising, with sequential increases each quarter throughout the year, driven by increasing ad prices and demand, which peaks in Q4. 
This seasonality is isolated to our media and content revenue streams. As we head into the second half of the year, I want to note that the increase between Q4 and Q3 ad prices is much greater than the increase between Q3 and Q2 ad prices. I also note that the acquisition of Omnia Media occurred on August 30, 2020. The comparative financial figures relating to Q2 2020 in the statements and the MDA do not include the results of Omnia, except where noted. The 2021 balance sheet and income statements include the balances of the company, including Omnia. And now back to the second quarter. We've seen continued progress across the metrics which drive this business. Q2 revenue was $37.1 million, up 430% from the reported Q2 2020 revenue of $7 million. This increase was driven by our acquisition strategy, including Omnia, as well as strong organic growth and direct sales and across all three of our revenue streams of media and content, esports and entertainment, and subscriptions. Q2 revenue by source was as follows. Media and content, $33.5 million. Subscription, $2 million. And esports and entertainment, $1.6 million. The media and content revenue of $33.5 million compares to a $4.2 million reported in Q2 2020, or nearly eight times. Q2 media and content revenue attributable to Omnia is $26 million, which is up 29% year-over-year. Q2 media and content revenue excluding Omnia is $7.5 million, which is up 79% year-over-year. The increase in Q1 media and content revenue, apart from the impact of the Omnia acquisition, is mainly due to a significant increase in direct sales, the majority of which are recognized in media and content, and a portion of those are recognized in Omnia. Total direct sales were $4.4 million in Q2 2021, as compared to $600,000 in Q2 2020. Number two, a web RPM, which was 175% higher in Q2 as compared to Q2 2020, which was caused by our continued internal ad platform optimization efforts and a shift in the distribution of views amongst different properties. This result is also driven by the prior year's downturn of the digital ad market relating to the COVID-19 pandemic, a downturn we now declare has fully recovered. Number three was the addition of 18 new partner websites added to the web platform in the first half of 2021. And number four is the continued expansion of our own and operated video properties, which also contributed to the increase in sequential quarterly video views. Video views were 9.7 billion in Q2 compared to 7.3 billion in Q1 this year. Q2 subscription revenue was 2 million, up 18% from 1.7 million in Q2 2020. The increase in subscription revenue is attributable to an increase in paid subscribers. The company had approximately 111,000 paid subscribers as at June 30th, 2020. This number has increased to approximately 155,000 paid subscribers as at June 30th, 2021. The company continues to grow the subscriber base on its existing subscription offerings through pricing optimization, promotional events, and marketing initiatives. The increase in paid subscribers outpaced the increase in subscription revenue due to movements in foreign exchange rates which I will discuss shortly. Q2 esports and entertainment revenue was 1.6 million as compared to 1.1 million in Q2 2020. This 45% increase year over year is as a result of the growth of our virtual events, such as Pocket Gamer Digital, as well as increased sponsorship of Luminosity. But there is a revenue headwind I want to point out relating to Q2. The significant majority of our revenue is earned and measured in U.S. dollars, which is translated into Canadian dollars for presentation in our financial statements. The average USD to CAD exchange rate in Q2 2020 was 138.5, 
which dropped to 122.8 in Q2 2021. Had the exchange rate remained constant at 138.5, revenues in Q2 2021 would have been $4.9 million higher for a total of $42 million. Even on a pro forma basis, to include the acquisition of Omnia on a constant currency measurement, revenue would have been up 54% year over year. While the FX movements have a similar effect on cost of sales in certain areas of OPEX with limited net economic impact, we feel that the strong momentum the company has shown in Q2 should be considered in light of this revenue headwind. The exchange rate between the U.S. dollar and our presentation currency of the Canadian dollar should be monitored and considered when analyzing or forecasting results. Gross profit was $8 million for Q2, up 150% from the reported Q2 2020 gross profit of $3.2 million, driven by both our acquisitions and growth strategies. Our growth strategies include higher yield and higher margin revenue streams, such as direct sales and subscription. This coupled with the tuck-in acquisitions of Tabwire and Vidatis in Q2, resulted in continued progress in gross margin. The gross margin for Q2 was 21.6%, up from 16.7% pro forma in the same quarter last year. As we continue to execute on our growth strategies, this 490 basis point improvement in gross margin in one year reveals a compounding effect when considering the significant growth in revenue over the same period. Operating expenses were $19.6 million in Q2, up substantially from $7.5 million for Q2 2020. This increase is due to the acquisition of Omnia, as well as significant non-cash expenses, including $1.7 million of amortization, which relates largely to the initial recognition of intangible assets upon acquisitions, and $4 million of stock-based compensation, which relates to option and RSU awards granted in Q2 and in prior periods. I also wish to note We incurred costs relating to the SEC registration, the NASDAQ listing, and the financing conducted in Q2. Professional fees were $1.2 million as compared to $600,000 in Q2 2020, with the increase attributable to these efforts. We expect these expenses to be reduced in periods of less corporate activity. Office and general expense was $2.2 million compared to $500,000 in Q2 2020. A significant portion of this increase is also related to the registration of the company with the SEC and the NASDAQ listing. Office in general includes items such as insurance and filing and listing fees. Many of these expenses, such as the required insurance, will continue for the foreseeable future. Net loss and comprehensive loss was $12.8 million, resulting in a net and comprehensive loss per share, both basic and diluted, of $0.11 in Q2. We continue to invest in our operations, expanding our technology and content capabilities, as well as our staffing levels throughout the first half of this year. We are proud to say that our full-time staff as at June 30th, 2021 was 160 people, up from 90 people as at December 31st, 2020. Most of these hires are focused in three areas, direct sales, content, and product development, with Project GG being a notable area. These are important investments for the future of the company, and these are driven people, passionate about what they do on a daily basis. I've noticed in the first half of this year, they have become acutely aware of the metrics which drive this business. Therefore, they are, in my judgment, our most valuable asset. I reiterate that we are investing in order to drive the capacity of the business. There is a tremendous opportunity ahead to monetize our audience, and we are confident in our pursuit of this opportunity. We are, once again, more than ever, of the opinion that the results of operations and the financial condition of enthusiast gaming has never been stronger. 
In June, we conducted a public offering of common shares, issuing 8.6 million shares for gross proceeds of approximately USD 50 million or 60 million in Canadian dollars. In Q2, we also completed the acquisitions of both Tabwire and Vedatis, bringing the popular properties of Tapsats and Icy Veins into our portfolio. And of course, worthy of another mention, in April, the company became an SEC registrant, and on April 21st, the company commenced trading on the NASDAQ Global Select Market. To all the stakeholders joining us today as a result of that listing, I want to once again express our appreciation for your time and support, and welcome to the Enthusiast family. Certainly, it was a busy quarter. As I reflect on the quarter in the past year, as we approach the anniversary of the acquisition of Omnia, I am proud of the consistent progress we have made towards our growth strategies and the unwavering dedication the company shows towards its stated objectives. We maintain our original proposal that the direct sales model is a compelling investment thesis in and of itself. As a Comscore Top 100 Internet property in the United States with a growing portfolio of notable clients, we are as confident as ever in the direct sales model. However, we have always been of the belief and have said in the past that there will come a day when enthusiast gaming is as well known for selling advertisements as Amazon is for selling books. In Q2, we have continued to advance our data capabilities, both internally and through the acquisition of Tabwire. Our subscription offerings are being significantly expanded, most notably through Project GG. And in early 22, we will bring to the public a social network made by gamers for the nearly 3 billion gamers in the world. This will also represent a significant step into the mobile space, unlocking a completely new market for enthusiast gaming. For these reasons, we have never been more excited about the short and long-term future of the company. I'd like to welcome the two analysts who initiated coverage since the beginning of Q2, being Scott Buck with H.C. Wainwright, and of course, the one and only Jeff Fan with Scotia Capital. To all our analysts, thank you for the work you do on enthusiast gaming. And to our shareholders, we don't stop working hard for you. Thank you for your continued trust in us as custodians of your business, of our business. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, our business is the business of gaming. Operator, I kindly turn it back to you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time we'll begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star and then one on your touchdown phones. If you are using a speakerphone, would you ask that you please pick up the handset before pressing the keys? To withdraw your question, you may press star and two. Once again, that is star and then one to ask a question. We'll pause momentarily to assemble the roster. Our first question today comes from Robert Young from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead with your question. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Um, hi. Uh, in the uh, press release, you highlighted that you expected margin improvements, uh, I think, sequentially through the year. Is that gross margins, operating margins? Uh, what type of margins would that be? I'm assuming gross? Gross, yeah. That's right, Rob. Okay. And then um, I was hoping that you could talk about uh, the direct advertising bookings. And you've given us a bit of a, a, a flavor around the pipeline and the, you know, the, the, the bookings around that business. Um, maybe we could talk about, you know, how they paced from Q4 to Q1 into Q2. And as a part of that, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the, if there's any way to parse between new and existing customers. It sounds like you've added a lot of logos this quarter, but I wanted to see if these customers are coming back after it's proven and upping their um, engagement and use of your um, your direct sales model? Sure. Um, so I think uh, as it pertains to, to the pipeline and as we've seen it evolve from Q4 to Q1 uh, and, and now we're in Q3, um, we've been really pleased with with how the pipeline has developed and i think certainly if you look at the number of rfps that we're getting um, that number has grown substantially we're getting on on average 13 rfps a week i think if if we were to remember back to the beginning of q4 just a little while ago it'd be two or three a week and we've built out uh, a customer success department um, that knows how to churn and burn these RFPs really quickly, which has given us a leg up. Um, but seeing the growth in, you know, from three RFPs a week to 13, um, that has been an encouraging sign. Um, and seeing our pipeline develop um, has been an encouraging sign. And I can say that we were, you know, that, that 4.4 million, that doubling of direct sales in Q2 over Q1 uh, certainly exceeded our expectations. But as we sit here today and as we look at the pipe and we look at what we're executing and we look at back to school coming up, um, we expect to see uh, growth beyond that uh, in Q3. And then, of course, Q4 is its own animal. It's, it's what we live for in a business like ours. We have American Thanksgiving and Black Friday and Cyber Monday and the holiday season and people spending budgets and we are extremely well positioned uh, to capitalize on that. In terms of um, the repeat business that we're seeing, again, um, we started this journey as a direct sales operation in Q1 of, of 2020. Uh, candidly, went down to Madison Avenue and went down to Los Angeles, and no one knew who we were. Um, and so it took a lot of effort, a lot of success, winning business. Um, and again, the, the customer base at the time was not fully sold on gaming and esports. They were testing. They were dipping toes in the water. Um, and that has changed massively um, to the point that you're seeing um, big companies and name brands investing heavily in this space because they realize 
what the guys of enthusiasts and others have been saying is true. If I, if I need to get in front of Gen Zs, and, and more importantly, if I, if I want a shot at them paying attention to me, I better have a gaming strategy and I better have an eSports strategy. Um, we're very uh, encouraged and excited by our renewal of our G Fuel deal. That's the most iconic drink brand in the space. We went from a one-year deal to an 18-month deal. The size of that deal has grown substantially. Um, we've done repeat business with HBO Max. We've done repeat business with Disney+. Plus. We've done repeat business with Procter & Gamble and Gillette and Activision. And so we're starting to develop a recurring uh, model. We're at the front end of that. Um, but people are really excited um, by our customer offering and by the fact that we are really the only ones in the space who can deliver media, who can deliver video media, web media, talent activation, and esports sponsorship. And our ability to be a one-stop shop um, is a winning formula, and, and it's starting to manifest itself in significant repeat business at higher and higher spending levels. Okay. So is it fair to say that a lot of the direct sales revenue today is very experimental? And then where, where you're seeing the, the, you know, customers come back, they're upping, you know, the, the size of deals? Not as we sit here today. As we sit here today and we think about the campaigns we're doing for State Farm, for the United States Navy, for G Fuel, for DoorDash, these are significant uh, campaigns with a lot of moving parts. And, and we are officially, as an industry and officially as a company, beyond the experimentation phase. You know, up to and including a bit of Q1 this year, um, certainly people were experimenting, but we're, we're beyond that um, as an industry and as a company as we sit here today. Okay. Thanks a lot. I'll pass the line. Thank you. Our next question comes from Jeff Fan from Scotiabank. Please go ahead with your question. Thanks. Good afternoon, guys, and thanks for the kind word. Um, I've got a couple of questions, maybe a follow-up on some of the sales um, activities here. Um, can you talk about um, the, the capacity that you have within this current, the current staff that you have to, you know, to grow productivity uh, further, and maybe also talk about, um, you know, how much you want to add sales staff. Um, in the coming months or quarters based on the activities you're getting on the RFPs. And, um, and also on these RFPs, how far are these advertisers planning ahead? Are they, are they looking to execute these campaigns within months, six months? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? So I'll let, uh, Jeff, I'll let uh, Samba, our COO, uh, expand upon, upon those questions. Go ahead, Samba. Hey, Jeff. Uh just to um, answer the first part of your question on our sales team and uh, the growth of the team, if you look at you know how, where we are right now, as I as we discussed before, a productive sales rep for us takes anywhere from three to six months to meet just to get to their optimal capacity. So we're still in the early stages with some of our reps. We're continuing to hire. Uh, we've opened up offices in Chicago and Detroit. We've opened up office in um, in London, UK. So we're continuing to expand our direct sales team. I don't think we're at maturity yet. So, you know, I, I would expect significant growth even as we go into 2022 
uh, as we see a huge opportunity for us to work with a number of different brands uh, with the asset that we've got. The first part of the question. Um, the second part of the question, Jeff, if you could maybe clarify and then I'll add color. Just on some of these RFPs and campaigns that advertisers are, are considering, um, are they planning for, uh, how far are they planning ahead is, is really the question. Are we talking about this fall or within six months? Sure. Um, the, the good news is, you know, we're definitely seeing a turnaround in the economy, especially in the U.S. Uh, you know, we're theatrical, for example. These, these companies plan, you know, six to nine months in advance, and we're seeing big Hollywood studios starting to plant, um, you know, plant, put together their marketing plans for movies that are releasing six to nine months out, and we're in those RFPs. So there is some advanced planning on uh, in some verticals, uh, but then there are some verticals that are sort of, you know, held back on spending throughout the most part of this year, but now are spending as fast as they can, such as, you know, travel and tourism uh, is a good example of, of that industry that just all of a sudden showed up and they're starting to spend. So it varies, but it is a very good, healthy sign to see that there is advanced planning going on in, in the marketing departments and, and the, those RFPs are starting to come in. Right. That's good to hear. And um, maybe just a couple of quick ones on Project GG. Um, you talked about releasing a, a limited alpha in September. Um, can you just talk about what you're hoping to, to learn from that? Um, it's coming up pretty soon. Um, I know it's, uh, you probably don't want to give away all your secrets, but uh, just curious what you're hoping to learn from that release. And on the, on the more the financial side, this is part for Alex, um, regarding tech support costs, how, how, do you, how should we think about the spend as you go through you know, product launch and further development on the tech support side? Sure, I'll take the GG one and then I'll pass to uh, Alex for the tech support. So on the alpha release, uh, Jeff, the thinking really is, you know, to bring in our first 1,000 to 2,000 testers and the evangelists, uh, the enthusiasts that we have within our community and to get as much user feedback as possible. As you know, we've, you know, we've highlighted that, you know, we built, we're building this because we're seeing the need for gamers and the missed opportunity. And uh, we want to get as much user feedback as possible so we can incorporate that into our feature set, into our roadmap. That's essentially um, what we're going to try to do with the, the first cohort of uh, testers that we'll let in. And then as, as we, you know, start to advance our roadmap, we'll slowly add different parts, different groups of audiences to bring in that represents uh, the wider enthusiast community. Um, so you'll hear us sort of give you more more guidance and information around what we're learning from the the initial tests and which cohorts are we bringing in. Uh, but that's that's the uh, that, that's the objective behind the first alpha release and and the cohorts that we're looking to bring in. Hey Jeff, uh, it's Alex here. You know, I, I um, the areas you want to watch, of course, are tech tech web development and content that that expense line. Um, and salaries and wages. Those would be the areas that's going to relate to GG. I'd say that a lot of the costs for GG are kind of already incurred and running. Um, a lot of the increases you can see in tech and content as well as salaries and, and wages are in support of that this year. Um, that and related initiatives such as data, such as uh, fulfillment and subscription and whatnot. Um, so I would expect though continued modest increases in both of those areas but not quite to the level we've seen in the first half of this year. 
GG is reasonably staffed up. Um, it's a working internal product, and from here on out, I think that most of the hires will be more specialty roles and not necessarily bulk hires. Um, there will be some tech investments associated with the public launch, uh, but I wouldn't think that those would necessarily move the needle given the size of our existing um, tech portfolio already. It's, uh, of course, some additional servers and, and whatnot. So uh, that's, that's how I look at the cost for GG. Great. Thanks, guys. Our next question comes from Brian Kinsinger from Alliance Global Partners. Please go ahead with your question. Great, thanks. Um, one follow-up on the direct sales force. Uh, obviously, with the success you're having, it sounds like you're going to invest in more people. Um, can you talk about how many people you started the year with, how many people you ended 2Q with, and where do you hope to get to in the next 6 to 12 months? We started the year with about five direct salespeople, um, and now we would have 12, 12 or 13. That's plus. not plus plus customer success. Yeah, so if, if I could add, Adrian, yeah. so we, we started the year out with about five direct sales. We're at about uh, 13 to 15 right now with uh, the producing headcounts. We, we're also building, remember, we're, as we become sophisticated, we're also segmenting our sales team into direct sales, inside sales, and building out a full-fledged customer success function. So net-net, we're about a 35-people uh, organization combined as a sales and inside sales organization at this point. And, and I, we're really about 5 to 15 right now on the actual, uh, actual uh, non-support people, the ones going after the business, right? Correct. And, and where where do you hope to get that fit? I mean, you're having so much success, and I, I assume the more people you add, the more you can reach out and touch brands. So is, do you expect that, especially this is the busy season, you know, four months ahead of it, do you expect that to end the year at 20, much faster? Is it is it hard to find people right now? Just maybe take me through the plans on the hiring side. Yeah, so for us, we think that a really good sales executive, sales professional, within our flywheel can generate a million dollars. And so, again, what I would, what I don't want anyone uh, not hearing on this call is there has been a sea change in corporate America and the corporate world's understanding of the importance of gaming in a Gen Z strategy. Um, and so we're past the experimentation phase to Rob's point, chief marketing officers, middle-aged people who didn't quite get it before COVID have seen firsthand in their homes just exactly what their kids are doing. And that has resulted in companies like Coca-Cola, Anheuser-Busch building out esports and gaming departments to evaluate opportunities, et cetera. And so we're beneficiaries of that. Um, and, and we think that great quality salespeople you know, the metric we think about is, you know, give them a quarter and a half to two quarters to ramp up, um, and the good ones should be doing a million bucks, or if not more. And so for us, we evaluate not on the basis of the size of the headcount, um, but plugging in people with those expectations um, to satisfy those opportunities. But I can say 
um, that the opportunities um, are not slowing down. And in fact, you know, they're growing in, in, in quite an exciting fashion. In terms of um, are people hard to find? Look, managing salespeople um, is an art. Uh, it's, it's not, uh, it, it's an art. Thankfully, uh, Samba and I have a lot of experience in that, in that area. Um, but the, the other advantage that we have, and I think Alex might have mentioned this, you know, since, since January, this company, in addition to raising money and listing on the NASDAQ and um, buying two other businesses and executing against our strategy, this company has also onboarded 70 people. Um, and so the benefit, though, that we have is, um, we're like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory for, for a lot of young people who love video games. And so we're kind of a cool company to work for. We're an interesting company to work for. Um, we have, what, 10,000, 11,000 followers on our LinkedIn account. Um, so we have an ability to, to get talent and to get talent who, who want to work for us. So, so that's a, a tremendous advantage that Enthusiast has on the HR front. Right. My follow-up question is: um, You're growing subscriptions nicely. The uh, amount of paid subscribers. Can you just, uh, from a high level, talk about is the majority still coming from Sims, or I know you've started some some other subscriptions? Maybe provide some detail on where that growth is coming from. Sure. I uh, it's Thumba here. I can add color on that one. Uh, so we we continue to grow across you know across most of our properties and you know Sims was Sims definitely had the the early mover advantage on subscriptions and we're seeing really good growth there that we're very pleased with that uh, we are starting to get good traction on some of our other properties such as Escapist um, and Icy Veins um, so definitely seeing good momentum there and I think to uh, the earlier point that um, Adrian made in his um, opening remarks is that what we're super excited about is the pan enthusiast subscription offering that is going to combine all the other properties that we've got and offered through GG. Um, we, we think that is the big game changer for us in subscriptions, but we're very pleased with the current trajectory of uh, the individual properties themselves. Sorry, and lastly, that that uh, that subscription, you hope if I if I think I read the MDNA right. It's the, the first quarter is the hope, or is the second quarter of 2022 where there's a hard launch, or, or was, did I read that incorrectly? Uh, I think the, the comment, the, the exact comment was early 2022, uh, and uh, as, I, as, I, as we alluded to on the call, uh, you know, we'll bring in the alpha users uh, in, Q, uh, uh, in September, and then based on that, we'll bring in more beta testers, and then we're hoping to be out in the public in early 2022. Great. Thanks so much for answering my questions. Thank you. Our next question comes from Mike Crawford from B. Riley. Please go ahead with your question. Um, thanks. So you're number one um, performer on the Twitch platform. What about overall if you, if you look across platforms, including Facebook, Twitch, or uh, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever? Do you have any data on that? So, I mean, hey, Mike, I mean, we we don't have exact data readily available, but 
you know, we're number one on Twitch. I specifically talked about uh, luminosity, um, um, but we're a tier tier one org. Uh, there's at the small class of esports organizations, and uh, and and I think that Twitch is probably the most relevant for that that niche area of, of the gaming industry. I think that's the most relevant stat um, for an org, at least. Uh, somebody. Sure. I mean, if, if if I understood the question correctly, it was about our status across the platforms, and especially on Twitch. Is that it? Right. Beyond Twitch. Right. Beyond Twitch. Okay. So if if you look at if you look at you know I think we published our comp score results. You know we're top 100 in our property in North America. We command the number one gaming audience in. Uh, um, a, a number of markets. If you look at U.S. alone, we are number two next to Twitch. Uh, but within Twitch, uh, Luminosity streamers hold the number one spot. Um, so we're well positioned from a gaming audience perspective. But even if you look at outside of um, you know North America, we we hold number one spots through our properties in a number of different markets, uh, which is one of the reasons why we're building you know aggressively uh, in the U.K. We we hold a number one spot for gaming audience there. Um, but you know our properties are really you know tier one properties that resonate really well with our gaming audience, and and we continue to capitalize on that. Okay, just since you mentioned luminosity streamers, so what tends to happen for these influencers' um, own viewership levels once they join luminosity, and also. I guess related to that is what does a typical revenue share look like? For what was the last part of that? What does the share sorry? Of revenue look like for someone who signed on, like say XQC? Yeah, so like look, I think that yeah. go ahead. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean I could name like ten others, but there are these people that are affiliated with Luminosity. Yeah, look, um, we have, I mean, one of the reasons we've had the success we've had at Luminosity is we have um, a pretty strong track record of building, helping content creators build followings. Um, and it goes back to Ninja. Um, if you look at uh, Somerset and her growth, if you look at Tori Pereno and her incredible growth, Rocky No Hands, uh, Fresh, who has completely blown up uh, since he's joined Luminosity and Nick A30. I think you have uh, a number of examples where you know we've grown uh, alongside and helped nurture um, the, the this talent. And it's and it's not it's not independent and happening just on Twitch. I think it's a direct result also of the enthusiast gaming flywheel putting fresh and giving him an opportunity to DJ uh, to a massive audience and work with Coldplay, giving him an opportunity to, um, to do uh, a merchandise drop with Lil Tecca. And then you think about GGT uh, and the viewers, the 10 million viewers that GGT pulled in, and you think about all the luminosity talent that we invited to serve as judges, including MuSelk. Um, there's a halo effect here of uh, the proprietary properties and content we're creating, inviting our luminosity talent to participate. Uh, we created a, a whole content 
uh, piece around Darius Slay, Slay Versus on Twitch and have grown his following. So um, I think we have a, a pretty strong and, and track record to be proud of in terms of helping our creators build their audiences. And again, we can't take a, a lot of credit for XQC. He's he's a supernova and a superstar all to himself, but it's you know no uh, no coincidence that his girlfriend Adept wanted to join Luminosity and wanted us to help uh, with her career. Um, and so you know those are those are the touch points. And look, you know the Twitch revenue stream um, is basically exclusive to the creator. Uh, we don't touch it. So. We help them grow. They make more money, um, and you know, presumably, they're they're happy with uh, with with the involvement with Luminosity. Okay, great. And then, just a final question: just coming back out to a bigger picture, if there's any update on where you envision long-term business model margins to be for enthusiasts in terms of like growth or EBITDA or when we might get there or what needs to take place before before any all of that happens? Sure. I, I would say there's no real change in that long-term vision. Um, you know, I, we have been, I, I actually love that about us. We've been very dedicated to our growth strategy and it's coming, it's been coming through. Everything we said a year ago has been coming through. Uh, and here we are today, we're pulling forward certain aspects of the growth strategy that we originally thought would be farther out, such as the social network. Um, so therefore, uh, in the terminal state, I, I don't see any difference. I've always kind of compared it to traditional traditional media companies and the P&L profile that they enjoyed in, at the peak of that industry, uh, which were margins well over 50% um, and very healthy operating margins um, I, you know, I could easily see it getting to 25 or 30 percent on a on a terminal basis. Um, and if anything has changed, I think that um, you know we are we we have a clearer vision of those outer growth strategies, uh, which I think may pull them forward a couple of years. Uh, it's still though, it's still of course those profiles are still our long term um, long term plan. Um, as you can see, the incremental gains we're getting, we're getting 50, 100, 200 basis points a quarter, and that's that's just fine. That's what we want. Um, you know, you can imagine on a long-term basis, which a lot of people would define as five years, that adds up. That adds up significantly and changes the profile of this business. Um, so, so that's 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 how I view the uh, the income statement profile. Yeah, and I also think you know, just as as one uh, contributing data point to that. Um, we, we talk internally and have always talked internally about in a few years' time doing $100 million of direct sales. Um, and that, um, you know, that might have sounded fanciful when we had two employees, um, but we want to move 10% of our inventory to, to being uh, directly sold. And I think that the trajectory that we're on, the success that we're having, the repeat business that we're winning, um, and the, nut, the type of companies that we're doing business with, um, you know, we, we, we are confident um, that we're executing in a manner that, um, that supports those kinds of performances. Excellent. Thank you, Adriano. Thanks, Mike.
Our next question comes from Kevin Mackey. Please go ahead with your question. My question has to do with expenses. In the Q4 conference call, you guys talked about how $50 million in expenses annually was a good run rate to look at and model things. Uh, but these past two quarters have been substantially higher than that. So just curious if that's from uh, one-time investments and that's going to relax a little bit or if we're looking at a, a higher run rate looking forward. Hey, thank you. Um, so I, mean, I don't think it's too much higher than that, to be honest, but, um, but, but certainly, it certainly is higher. But where, where that higher, where the portion that is higher is, is a lot of it is because we, we've seen the ROI. I think direct sales is, is performing as well as we could have expected. You know, I, I will tie it to the fact if we had said a year ago when we did k in the first quarter, look, next year Q2, direct sales is going to be 12% of our overall revenue um, at, in the same period that revenue has grown well over 30%. Uh, we've seen that ROI, so we've accelerated. The other things that we've accelerated are, the, the, uh, of course, the social network and the data capabilities, which, as of you know, even six months ago, were farther down um, in our growth path. We've accelerated those, um, being a bit of opportunist, to be honest, as, as well. We saw the opportunity, and we're seizing on it. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say that we will go back, certainly not, to a lower operating level. This, this is we would readjust this operating level. Those were investments that were consciously made, um, and I, I, although I wouldn't expect the next few quarters to be the same increase we've seen in the first half of this year. But we're growth business. Um, I do want to point out too, though, OPEX is up significantly. If we not get some of the non-cash, the amortization, and the stock-based comp, it is up um, nearly 100% uh, not so far. But uh, not pro forma, um, the revenue is up much, much more than that, of course, but even the gross profit is up significantly more than that. So, so we're seeing some ROI, and we're, we, keep, we keep doubling down, and as long as we keep seeing that ROI, we're going to do that. Yeah, look, the, 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 op, the opportunity has got bigger quicker, and we um, are hell-bent on capitalizing on them. And also, so direct sales... Uh, thank COVID. Really, you know, those budgets increased. Um, we wanted to hire people. We wanted to pull forward our ability to exploit a void in the marketplace uh, to deliver on a subscription-based social network. And at the same time, this is a company, and again, it's not dissimilar uh, to a lot of high-growth companies, but, um, you know, we're, we're executing, building out direct sales, uh, building out PG, building out Upcomer, and in our spare time, we raised $120 million in the first six months of the year. We uh, listed on NASDAQ. We bought two companies, uh, and, uh, and we put a $250 million base shelf uh, in place. So um, these are corporate, a lot of corporate actions um, that require spend, um, but we're confident that um, um, we're being really, really opportunistic about seizing our moment in the sun here. Thank you for sharing your mindset there. Uh, my other question has to do with the drama that has unfolded around Activision and, and corporate culture and work environment. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts on what you guys are doing to protect your company 
from experiencing that kind of stuff, how you're fostering a positive corporate culture that's egalitarian and, and so forth. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for the question. Um, certainly, um, Vancouver Titans and Seattle Surge, of which we have ownership stakes in, uh, issued statements time ago uh, supporting everyone taking a stand against discrimination and harassment in the workplace. Um, and we believe as a business that everyone deserves the right to feel safe, valued, and included in the workplace without fears of judgment or prejudice based on gender, race, or orientation. And that was um, a statement that was important for us to attach our name to, and it's a statement that we believe as, as a company. Um, we just hired um, our, our new head of people and culture, Candace Levy, who starts next week. Um, and and we're, we take these values seriously. Um, we have an incredibly um, diverse group of people that work for enthusiasts. Um, we do our best to make sure um, that their voices are heard and, and respected. And we're going to make the investments in people and culture um, to, uh, to walk the walk and talk the talk. Great, thank you. And my last one um, has to do with subscriptions. Just wanted to hear what your thoughts might be about how you're going to potentially convert existing subscribers, someone who might be just on the Sims, and converting them over to this um, pan-enthusiast offering that I assume will come at a higher price point. Sure, I, I, I can take that one. Um, just on the first point on, on the conversion, remember, um, it, it, isn't, it isn't going to be a brand migration for the existing subscribers on any of our platforms. Uh, really what this will, will do for anyone who is on, whether it's on Escapist or Destructoid or, or Sims Resources, this will just make it a single sign-on access that allows them to access multiple different um, features, assets, for, you know, networks, apps in the wider enthusiast gaming um, asset mix. So it's not exactly a brand migration that we, we will not go down that path. We would want the communities to remain within their communities, uh, but we'll have access to the wider asset mix that enthusiast gaming offers. Uh, as far as, you know, pricing of GG and, and how we think about it, I think it's too soon for us to comment on any of that. Uh, again, our, our focus right now is heads down Let's get the product stabilized. Let's make sure that we're building the right social network AI into our platform. Let's get the first 1,500 testers, and let's get let's get the learnings out, and then let's prepare for a public launch uh, in early 2022. That's that's our focus, and I think as we develop more of a commercial sense on what the pricing structure would look like, uh, we'll be more than happy to share that at that point. Great, thank you. You guys are at the tip of the sphere in a lot of things that you're doing, and I appreciate your efforts. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, with that, we'll conclude today's question and answer session and conference call. We thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.